Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel, broadcasting remotely. We spend a lot of time talking about education on this show. Today, we look at the role of skilled trades programs as a pathway to a career. This recession is not like the others. If you focus on the college track, students, especially millennials, have a lot of student debt, but that doesn't mean they end up with a college degree or a job that supports them well. Coming up, we'll hear what kinds of investments the Biden administration should make to help in the pandemic recovery. Resources have plummeted in higher ed, but does that mean the country should only focus on investing in traditional four-year programs? Society tells us a four-year degree is the key to a stable, lucrative job, but you can get that in a skilled trade. Now, do you work in skilled trades or do you have a family member who does? We want to hear from you. You can join us, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. Or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. I want to welcome our first guest to the show. Dave Arnott is head of the Plumbing and Heating Department at AI Prince Technical High School. That's in Hartford. And he's the Heating Curriculum Chair for the Connecticut Technical Education and Career System. Dave, welcome to the show. Good morning, Lucy. How are you? I'm doing well. And also with us is a student from Prince Tech, Kadir Muhammad. He's a senior in the plumbing and heating trade. Kadir, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So I'll start with you, Dave. We've talked about technical high schools on the show, but it's been a while. So if you could tell our listeners a little bit about how uh, these tech schools are part of Connecticut public school systems and a little bit more about the programs that are offered. Sure. So um, we're a four-year high school where uh, students can come and choose between. So we at Prince Tech have 14 trades uh, that the students can choose from, ranging from plumbing and heating, all the construction trades to uh, culinary arts, hairdressing, and uh, bioscience, environmental. Uh, They can go through an exploratory process where they choose a shop that they want and they spend the the four years within that shop learning that craft or that trade. I know for plumbing and HVAC and electrical, the students gain hours towards their apprenticeship as well for when they graduate, they can go into being a plumbing and heating apprentice and they do get credited 1500 hours towards that process. So that sounds like a good deal. So while they're learning traditional subjects like math and English, they're learning these trades. And as you mentioned, they're graduating not only with a high school degree, but also credits that help them towards apprenticeship. Correct. So they do go through a process where they rotate between um, shop cycles. So they may do a seven, nine or a 10 day cycle within their trades, and then they'll go to the academics for roughly the same amount of time, seven or nine days, and then they'll come back and they rotate back and forth throughout the school year. 
I understand you're a product of Connecticut's technical high school system, and you worked in the field that you teach. So tell us a little bit about your career, Dave. Sure. So I did graduate from one of our 17 technical high schools, and I've been in plumbing and heating since the day I graduated. I grew up in a family business and uh, went into the field and, and have had a great career and decided to teach uh, back in 2009. I uh, came to the system, back into the system to teach, and it's been the best career I've ever had. Do you find that a lot of your students, uh, they have family members that are in skilled trades and that's what um, attracts them to applying to a technical high school? There's a certain portion. I, I, I don't think it's as large as you would think, but there are. You know, I've had quite a few students whose parents were um, plumbers or HVAC or carpenters or uh, in, in the trades. So it kind of uh, is an initiative for them to uh, come to us for that. And I know I've had students that specifically came to me because their family had a plumbing business. So they were, you know, they were coming to us going through and they were going to take over the business as they got older and move through there. So, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a portion of, mm -hmm. of kids that come for that. Now, when I talk about the technical high schools, you mentioned there are 17. Uh, do students have to apply to get in? And what is the demand like? Yes, so there, there is an application process, and it is fairly competitive. Um, actual numbers, we probably would have to steer you towards our, our public relations, but uh, there is a, an application process. Uh, the, the parents and the students fill out an application, um, a letter of interest they do, and then there's a selection process. There's definitely uh, a higher amount of applicants than there are openings. For the school so it is pretty competitive. Now I mentioned that one of the students at Prince Tech where you teach is with us Kadir Mohammed. You're a senior Kadir in the plumbing and heating track so tell us what drew you to Prince Tech as well as this particular trade. <laughs> okay so coming into Prince Tech my mom went to Prince Tech right so she kind of you know recommended me go to Prince Tech because originally I was supposed to go to uh, New Britain High. But then my mom didn't want me to go there, so she kind of, you know, said, let's go to Prince Tech, let's try it out, see if you like it. And I went there, I liked it, you know, took the test, got in, and, I and I've been there ever since, liked the school. And as it come when it comes to plumbing, I originally went into the school not knowing what I wanted to do. So I kind of was just winging it you know, going to different shops, testing out each thing. I went to plumbing and I really liked it. So I stuck with it. Mm. And so you're a senior. So tell us uh, when you graduate, what that means for you, Kadir. Will you be applying for apprenticeships? Um, yes, I will. I will be applying for apprenticeships. You know, I'm looking at companies right now, you know, getting everything in order so I could apply and hopefully they'll hire me. Mm. What has it been like with uh, your school and with the pandemic, uh, having to learn remotely? How does that impact you when you're learning uh, technical education as well? See, the thing about that is it's really, it's actually really hard because especially for like the construction um, shops in particular, because we need hands-on learning to, you know, actually learn the skills. But since, you know, the pandemic's out, we can't really do that. 
to the degree that we want to because what we were originally doing, you know, we were doing our little theory lesson in the beginning and then we would go out on production of people's houses and we would work on houses. So now that we can't do that, it's kind of more difficult, added a more difficult curve into our learning, but I feel like we'll be able to pull through eventually. Mm. And yeah, we'll be able to get through this. Dave Arnott, tell us more about how you've been able to navigate that for your students with what Kadir just shared. Sure. So there's a there's a balance between the hands-on portion and the, uh, we call it theory, the science behind plumbing, the codes behind the, the plumbing trade. So we've kind of been a little heavier on the theory side right now knowing that so we we have industry partners that we work with and advisory committees and you know they are aware of the situation and and they're they're willing to work with that uh the the, uh, contractors who may hire some of our kids are are willing to work around that knowing that the kids are getting their classroom work done ahead of time Uh, they so the other thing i i want to talk about is so our students when they graduate if they graduate from plumbing, their schoolwork is done for plumbing. Whereas a standard apprentice that has not gone to a trade school, they have to do uh, classes at night um, to get their apprenticeship, to go through their apprenticeship where our kids, it's done. So, you know, we've just kind of adjusted and we're leaning a little heavier on the bookwork side, the classwork side and getting that done. And, and soon the students will be, you know, coming back in and we'll try to finish out the year strong and, you know, find a way to benefit them the best. Mm. And what kind of conversations have you had with employers, Dave, about the fact that with the pandemic, it has changed the uh, in the type of hands-on instruction that students like Kadir would normally be getting? Right. So um, conversations I've been having are, you know, the, the understanding that, yes, they are um, a little... Um, lacking in the hands-on portion and the, and our industry partners have been very understanding about saying, uh, you know, we know that, we know what's going on, we're aware of the, the pandemic, uh, so we're willing to work with that, right? Because they're, they're if, you know, technically speaking, they're still getting uh, uh, an employee who still has background knowledge, who already has all their, you know, classes done, so they know the codes, they know the basics, they know the theory parts of the trade. So our industry partners know that they don't have to teach them that once they they come on board, they just got to concentrate on the hands-on portion. You're hearing Dave Arnott here on Where We Live, joining us by Zoom. He's head of the plumbing and heating department at AI Prince Technical High School in Hartford. As we talk more about skilled trades programs in our state, when we hear about there being a shortage of skilled tradespeople in our country, this is especially important when we think about high unemployment rates uh, in the U.S. Also with us is a student from Prince Tech, Kadir Muhammad, a senior in the plumbing and heating track. You can join us too 
too, if you work in the skilled trades or you have a family member that works as a, someone as a plumber or electrician, we'd love to hear from you about the demand that you're seeing and whether there are worker shortages in our state. The number 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Now, we tried to reach some Connecticut electricians, but this should be no surprise. They're working right now, and the demand uh, has been high from them. So we haven't been able uh, to reach any Connecticut electricians for this show. But we understand that there, again, is a lot of demand uh, for those types of jobs. And so, Dave, when we think about plumbing and heating, what are you hearing from uh, employers about uh, the workforce that's needed, and are there shortages? Um, that's a great question. And, and yes, there, there are definitely shortages with the younger generation. I know that the average age of a plumbing and heating technician is roughly mid 40s to early 50s is the average age. So uh, and, I'm, and I see that with our apprenticeship program that we run at night for classes at night. There's, there's a large portion that are an older, uh, older age student. Uh, versus younger. There are younger students, but the uh, the numbers seem to be a little heavier on the, you know, the, I say over 30 age. So there are shortages of, you know, younger people coming into the trades. Um, I know that it seems that right now everybody's working that's out there. So everybody's pretty busy. Uh, and there are people who are looking and they're saying, you know, we don't have enough younger generation coming in. To, you know, like myself, we're all getting older and uh, we're moving on. Like I'm no longer really in the field. I teach now, and a, and a lot of my colleagues do the same, or or they're moving into you know different positions. So we're you know we're looking for the younger generation to come in and grab the torch and and run. That sounds like that's a perfect time for students like Kadir, a young person who is getting this type of education that will help him get connected to a job pretty quickly. Dave. Um. Yes and no. It depends on the contractors. It depends on the, the industry demand. We really do try to work with contractors to get, get our students out in the field as soon as possible. Um, it is competitive. Like I said, there's, you know, there's a lot of, we have 17 schools, so there's, there's quite a few students graduating and, you know, we work real hard to try to get them out the best we can. Um, but uh, it, it's great to see them all, you know, it's a, it's a great career. And uh, I can't say enough about it. It's, uh, you know, these schools are uh, fantastic. You know, it's, it's this, the uh, technical high school system has afforded me to have a great career. And I, I let all my students know that, that, uh, you know, if you become a plumber or an electrician or, you know, um, an HVAC technician that you'll, you know, it's, you'll have a great career and a, you know, steady income and you'll always work and, you know, it's a great thing and these schools afford you know these these schools give the, the kids a chance to get out there and you know have a great life and a career you can join our conversation 888-720-9677 richard's Klein in from Tallinn. hi richard hi how are you i'm doing well so you're an electrical contractor yes i am um and it it's 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 perfect segue into uh that you're spot, spot, spotlighting the problem that we're having. Electri electrical contractors are, are struggling to find uh, elect electricians. One of the reasons I think that we're really struggling, not one of the reasons, but the reason we're struggling is there's, uh, in the state of Connecticut, there's what they, they call a hiring ratio statute, 
um, that requires us as electrical contractors after the first three apprentices um, to go, when we go to hire the fourth apprentice, we have to have six licenses. So it's a three to one ratio. And that really, that really puts a, a burden on us to try to bring some of these young men and women into the trades. The on-the-job ratio uh, is currently one journey person to one apprentice, which allows for safe, effective, hands-on field training. Um, and that is important to these young men and women to be able to get that under the close supervision of a, a licensed electrician. That's an important and point that you bring up. That's an important point you bring up, Richard. Uh, Dave, I'm wondering if you can comment on what, what Richard shared about the, the hiring ratio. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that, that there, that can be an issue. Um, you know, contractors are only allowed to have so many apprentices with so many uh, licensed technicians, and, and that can be a problem uh, as well as, you know, as we move forward. Uh, Richard, and I know the state has made, they, they have made some adjustments recently, but, um, you know, there's, there's still that ratio, that wall that we have to get over. Um, it's a little difficult sometimes with that. Uh, Richard, so tell me about the demand that you're seeing, especially during the pandemic. Uh, if there's so many jobs out there, but not enough people to do the work, how are you managing? Nope, doesn't look like Richard's there anymore, but we'd love to, to hear from other uh, contractors about uh, this workforce need here in our state. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. My guest, Dave Arnott, um, will stick around. He's head of the plumbing and heating department at AI Prince Technical High School in Hartford, and a senior at Prince Tech, Kadir Mohammed, is here as well. As we focus on a shortage of tradespeople nationwide, do you work in skilled trades or have a family member who does? We want to hear from you. Join us, 888 or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbethanchel. College for All has been embraced in our country over the last few decades, but there's been growing interest in vocational training or technical education, which doesn't require years of education and years of paying off college debt. We're talking about skilled trades programs in our state today with my guest, Dave Arnott, head of the plumbing and heating department at AI Prince Technical High School in Hartford. He's also the heating curriculum chair for the Connecticut Technical Education and Career System and one of his students, senior at Prince Tech, Kadir Mohammed in the plumbing and heating trade. Dave, I wanted to ask you, tell us about some of the, the pathways your students have taken when they graduate. It's not necessarily that they don't go to college, but they do have um, this type of training and the certificates available to get into these apprenticeships. So they've got, I guess, a lot of options. Sure. So they, they do. They have uh, a wide variety of options to from and and not only uh, the construction trades but any of the career paths in the in the technical schools they you know and I'll use plumbing as an example they they don't have to just become an apprentice for a contractor they can go to college and they can be engineers and architects uh, they can go for business um, 
any different. Uh, there's uh, building inspectors. There's um, education. You know, there's there's just any. I really I tell the students that pretty much most career paths we can relate back to to our trades. I wanted to bring in a caller now. Erica's calling in from New Haven. Erica, you're on the show. What's your? Are you there, Erica? Nope, doesn't look like Erica's there. So I wanted to bring into the conversation now Brent Parton, who's Deputy Director of the Center on Education and Labor at New America. This is a public policy think tank. Brent, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Lucy. So uh, it sounds like we have a robust system here in our state with uh, career and technical education. When we look at what's happening nationwide in the skilled trades, um, what does the shortage look like and what industries are most impacted? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And what I can say is you know, it, it, it does depend on where you are. But, but nationally, what we know is that demand remains incredibly high for many of these key occupations within the skilled trades. Um, there's any number of reports or research that comes out each year talking about what's often referred to as a skills gap in this front. And that what that tries to articulate is the idea that there's these open jobs uh, that there's high demand for, but there are not enough people entering into those jobs with the right skills for them. I would say it's a little more complicated than that. And, and what we've heard today, I think, is, is an excellent example. And, and Connecticut has certainly been a leading state in many respects on the fronts of, for example, expanding apprenticeship, is that you really have to build the programs and the infrastructure if you're expecting folks to be able to connect to the jobs that exist and provide them with those foundational skills and experiences to get them there. So this idea that there's a national skills gap and that there's just no interest or people uh, to connect to the jobs that are out there is not something we have a lot of evidence for. But what we do have evidence for is that where programs exist that are there particularly to connect young people to these great opportunities in the skilled trades, they receive high marks and support from parents and students. Voters generally have give high marks to programs that support connecting young people to the skilled trades. Um, and what I can say is they actually deliver results for young people. Um, we know that young people who participate in career technical educations, like Dave described, experience lower dropout rates, higher graduation rates compared to their peers, higher levels of credential attainment. Um, so we, we know these programs exist and where they do exist are popular. The reality is they don't exist as expansively enough as they need to across the U.S. Mm. And is there a focus on providing this type of education, career and technical education, um, after high school, whether it's community college or another program versus uh, making sure that it's part of that uh, middle and high school experience, Brent? Yeah. So. What I think I love that we've been talking a lot about apprenticeship already, because what we know from the data is the average age of an apprentice in the United States is 29 years old. That's a lot of life between someone who's graduating high school and finding their way to these great opportunities. Um, so what, what, what that signals to us is that on one hand, our, our schools have not, by and large, and, and I would put this a lot of this uh, onto our policymakers in terms of what we invest in and prioritize in. Budgets are certainly priorities. Have not prioritized career and technical education versus the more traditional college path. Um, again, this is despite high demand or high levels of support from parents and students for these types of programs where they do exist. 
So what you end up with is a situation that employers are kind of sitting back and seeing what's coming to them. And on the other hand, young people are not finding these direct entry points, unlike what you've heard about today that exists, uh, that allows young people to start this journey on apprenticeship, to start earning the credit and building some of the on-the-job learning skills before they graduate high school. So what you end up with is a really a misconnection between a lot of young people who are looking for a great opportunity and employers who desperately need young people into their pipeline of talent. What about the, I started this part of the show mentioning this uh, college for all mindset um, that, uh, you know, it's something that a lot of parents feel like, you know, I want my child to go to college. But we see, especially now, uh, so many uh, students with uh, significant debt, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to graduate with a degree and get a well-paying job, Brent. Uh, tell us a little bit about the history of how we've seen this in our country impacting uh, whether or not people are, are looking at career and technical education? Yeah, a great question. So what, what we know is that parents aren't wrong to want their young people to get a college degree because we actually show, for example, from wage data that people who hold college degrees uh, have consistently over the past three decades performed much better than people without them. So parents are rational at one point to be thinking this way at a high level. However, that does not mean that there aren't other paths to actually secure good paying jobs. And in fact, what we know from data now, I can tell you that if we, if we said that all of the high school students in America, um, if we started them today and we looked at current trends, only about a quarter of them are going to graduate college within six years. And that doesn't say anything about the job they receive on the other side or the debt burden. So this prioritization of college as really a one-way track to get a good job has worked for a lot of Americans, but when we look at students of color and particularly first-generation students, the data actually shows that these are students who are disproportionately carrying debt loads and not connecting to good-paying jobs on the other side. Historically, what I can say about that, though, is we used to invest pretty heavily in career and technical education in this country but going about, about four decades ago, we, we somewhat pivoted to, in a very understandable way, and, and I could say through the baby out with the bathwater, when we were looking at vocational education programs that were disproportionately tracking students of color into the, what was called the non-college path. So from an equity standpoint, it was, it was and by and large decided, you know, we need to be able to connect young people to good jobs, we can't be tracking people like, say, these other countries do that make decisions about people's lives in their later years of high school. So what we did is significantly moved more investment and more of our policy priorities in terms of, in terms of schools into that college track. The problem was we didn't take a good look at what those career and technical education programs, which are not all equal, uh, were, able to, were able to provide young people. So in fact, what we know, we have somewhat of an opposite equity problem right now, and I'm sure our other guests can comment on this, is apprenticeship right now is overwhelmingly white and male. These are great paying jobs, real careers. And because we have kind of disinvested in these pathways to connect young people into these jobs, um, we've in many respects been able to make it harder for young people of color to access these incredible career opportunities. 
You're hearing Brent Parton, Deputy Director of the Center on Education and Labor at New America, which is a public policy think tank here on where we live. Uh, my other guest, Dave Arnott, head of the plumbing and heating department at AI Prince Technical High School in Hartford. Dave, I'm wondering if you can respond to what Brent shared, especially with uh, the slots in apprenticeship and who are able to get them. Sure. So um, it is a, you know, it's it's tough right now. Like we've been talking about, the the, the younger generation is not. Um, I, I would say maybe quite a few years ago, it was it was heavier weighted for people to go into different trades and, and come out of the trade schools. And and we have over the years leaned towards the college tract for our students to go, uh, which has made a major decrease in our apprentices coming into the into the trades in the state and we're really trying to push you know um that isn't the only track that they have to do the trades are a very viable tract and uh, can provide a great career and we're hoping that that increases as we go moving forward and you are you having trouble diversifying uh, the students that end up in these uh, apprenticeships and these tracks uh dave what about women uh, we actually, uh, so our program here at Prince, uh, we have quite a few uh, young ladies that are very interested in the trade, and it's very encouraging to see that. Uh, in years past, it's been a lot lower, but for, you know, for the last few years, I've been seeing a trend moving more towards the, uh, the young ladies, which uh, these careers provide super opportunities for, for young women as well, especially if they move through uh, their apprenticeships and move up the up the chain and become business owners, right? There's huge advantages to, to young women being business owners, especially in the construction trades. Well, I want to bring in uh, Kadir Mohammed back into the conversation before he has to head uh, to class. Uh, Kadir, uh, what are the conversations you and your classmates are having about uh, the appeal of, again, studying plumbing versus uh, graduating and, you know, starting a, a four-year program? Um, do you people see the, the benefits of, of maybe going from high school right into a well-paying job versus heading right to college and maybe accruing debt? So, yeah, basically, like what you were talking about, um, that's mainly the appeal is that we would rather, you know, go into work and instead of going to college and going into getting into debt and without even a guarantee of actually getting employment. So that's why we actually considered going into the construction, you know, the trades, because it's easier for us to actually keep well-paying jobs. And it's actually pretty simple to learn once you get the hang of it. Mm. Would you say that there's any stigma among your peers for the students who want to go into a skilled trade versus somebody you know of your age group who's heading off to college? Stigma? Uh, not exactly, really. I would kind of say like some people decide to go to college because they would rather, you know, they want to, you know, make their parents proud or because they want to, you know, get a certain job that requires a degree. And others, they want to go to college because they probably don't even know about the trades or because they don't really want to do a trade which, I mean, that's okay. 
but that's really just it. When it comes to the trades, when it comes to like us, we decide like we don't really want to go to college because it's either A, we don't want that, or B, we just don't want to go back to school, which I'm not saying school is a bad thing at all. In fact, I believe it's a good thing. But some people just don't want to go back to school or they don't want to get college debt. And they kind of want to get guaranteed a job because, like, you know, other people said in the um, show before, you know, there's a high demand right now for trade workers. So that's why there's a big opportunity for, you know, especially us as young people, there's a big opportunity for us to get in and actually get a well-paying job and keep us, you know, at work. That's Kadir Mohammed, a senior at Prince Tech in the plumbing and heating trade. Kadir, it sounds like you have a bright future. Thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I want to take some calls now. Joe's calling in from Canton. Joe, go ahead. Hi. Uh, just want to make mention that uh, a group of uh, uh, trade organizations put out a uh, questionnaire to our members, and we have hundreds of job openings available right now for apprentices. And one of the problems that we're seeing is back to the Connecticut's restrictive uh, hiring ratio. Um, I mean, just to give you an example, if you had 18 licenses, you could only hire eight apprentices um, based on that ratio. So it, it is definitely a problem and a roadblock for these young men like Kadir trying to get into the trade and women mm -hmm. because we are seeing more women coming in. Well, thank you for telling us about that, Joe. We appreciate it. Um, Jeff's calling in from Middlebury. Jeff, go ahead. You're on where we live. Yeah, this is uh, Jeff. I've um, uh, taught uh, generator installations uh, for about four years, taught technical training previously. And believe it or not, I'm now back out in the field enjoying uh, working for myself. And I just wanted to share with uh, young people, uh, after they get out of school, when you get hired, um, you're not going to get the type of job you're hoping to get uh, doing the electrical or plumbing work. It's often crawling through uh, attics and uh, down in basements, and you kind of just have to go through that period of time and uh, prove to your employer that uh, you're a good, solid worker, you take good direction, and that you do good, good electrical work. And, uh, you know, in time, you'll get the type of work you may have imagined uh, that you'd get. So that's one thing I wanted to share, just a, a positive note to those that um, are graduating from uh, electrical or plumbing uh, trade schools. And Jeff, before you go, uh, and it's something I, that we haven't talked about yet, but uh, when you are a trained electrician, and as you mentioned, going through those first years of maybe um, some of that um, work that isn't always desirable, I mean, we're talking about a lucrative career that electricians have. Yes. Uh, and again, eventually, you'll uh, after you prove your uh, worth to your employer, you can um, uh, make uh, a good amount of money. But there's that uh, period of time that you just have to to prove yourself and and learn the trade. Even though you've got it under your belt for uh, your schooling, uh, now getting out there and producing, you could say that's that's a, another story, another another level that's going to take you a little period of time. Thank you for for calling in, uh, Jeff. I want to take one more call before we head to break. Ray is driving. Hopefully you're pulled over or have a earbud in place, Ray. What did you want to share? Yeah, actually, I'm fueling up my truck right now down here in Wallingford. But, uh, yeah, actually, the transportation industry, you know, as far as essential workers are concerned and workers in general and all of us, our survival, 
it really does depend on the job that I do. I've been in the industry now for 27 years. My wife is also a driver, and she drove fuel a tanker. She's only five feet tall, so she was able to overcome that and uh, do a lot of things that a lot of men couldn't do in her industry uh, because she persevered through it um, and just did what she had to do and raised our family and you know, raised us all up that way because uh, she's just a tough lady. And there's a lot of tough ladies out there working in this industry in particular. But uh, as far as appreciation is concerned, we're very underappreciated and underpaid. Uh, we have a situation where, you know, most of us feel as though we're just working for uh, to support our families. And there's a lot of good people out here that are very misunderstood because we have a lot of regulations in the trucking industry that cause us to have to shut down our trucks. We have no place to park. We have no place to eat take showers half the time state of connecticut does not provide you with very many truck stops um there's just not a lot of safe havens for trucks any longer and it's uh it's increasingly getting worse and um you know just like i say as, as far as essential workers they, they forget about us very quickly and uh yeah i'm back in my truck they forget <laughs> well, about we... us very quickly well, Ray, we appreciate you sharing that with us. Uh, we occasionally have the governor on our show. We'll be sure to raise some of your concerns with him again. When we talk about skilled tradespeople, also, uh, they are essential workers working through this pandemic, and we appreciate the work you're doing, Ray. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I said goodbye to Kadir, but I also want to thank Dave Arnott, Plumbing and Heating Department Head at AI Prince Technical High School, for joining us today as we talk about skilled trades and the importance of career and technical education in our country. Staying with us is Brent Parton, Deputy Director of the Center on Education and Labor at New America. And coming up after the break, we're going to hear more about the state program at the Department of Labor to help with apprenticeships back after a short break. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Will the Biden administration commit to investments in career and technical education? Now, the president's pick for U.S. Education Secretary, Dr. Miguel Cardona, says it's important. Cardona, Connecticut's education commissioner, graduated from a technical high school in Meriden. At a Senate confirmation hearing, Cardona talked about the need to create pathways from secondary school to higher education or job training. And he also talked about keeping costs of post-secondary education down by allowing high school students to take college-level courses. Uh, before we hear from the State Department of Labor about their apprenticeship program, Brent Parton, I wanted to ask you, with um, uh, President Biden's pick for education uh, secretary, uh, how do you expect to see a shift uh, with the focus on investing in technical education? Yeah, I, I see a couple really important things. One, it, it's really important to hear uh, Secretary Cardona share that perspective because it goes back to this idea we have not prioritized, and I go back to our policymakers have not prioritized investments in career technical education. But I think here's the more important thing to listen for. We have long thought about vocational or career technical education as something other than college. The reality today is that for most jobs in our economy and for even a lot of skilled trades occupations, 
there's an opportunity to earn debt-free college credit and really use it as a foundation for multiple options for a career for a young person. Dave mentioned earlier, young people can CTE classes, can take skilled trades, hands-on learning exposure. They might choose to go on into architecture or engineering. So what I think is particularly promising about what the Biden administration will bring to this conversation is breaking down the traditional silo between career and technical education or college and the recognition that we need more affordable, debt-free paths to and through education because college itself has become so much less of a guarantee for being able to get a good job in our labor market that young people who are more prone and want hands-on experience, you need paid work experience, most entry-level jobs today, believe it or not, require some form of work experience. That's what's really exciting about the directions they're headed. And I think they see K-12 community colleges, but also the Department of Labor, seeing more coordination across education and labor to invest and expand what I would call the apprenticeship infrastructure in the country. Let's hear from the Connecticut Department of Labor, Todd Birch on the phone with us. He's apprenticeship manager. Todd, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. This is a wonderful program so far. So tell us about the apprenticeship program that you help run in Connecticut and what does that mean for both employers and young people or even people that are starting a new career? Sure. Um, so the apprenticeship program, is we are the administrators of every employer's apprenticeship program in the state of Connecticut. So we, are, we help design the onboarding processes for all various occupations. Uh, Kadir has a wonderful future ahead of him. There's no question about that. Um, it's very likened to what we understand as the, the college system. He right now will be graduating high school, but occupationally he basically will have his bachelor's degree in the plumbing occupation. His next step, very linear, is to get enrolled into an apprenticeship program for his employer and the Department of Labor's apprenticeship program to design a bridge to professional practice for him, to get the skills that he's learned in an academic sphere and bring it to practice. And after that uh, set of time, Kadir will be uh, going into uh, getting his license for the state of Connecticut and being a journey person. So that's an example of what uh, the apprenticeship programs do in Connecticut and multiple occupations. And it's uh, been a very long-standing program, very successful program, and we look forward to more partnerships with more employers. Mm -hmm. For years now, I feel like we've been hearing about a skills gap in our workforce, especially when we think about manufacturing, uh, Todd, and there has been a more of a focus on how to bridge that gap between high school and, and community college. So I'm wondering, um, are you seeing improvements with connecting people to these types of jobs? Are there enough people interested with all the jobs that are available? Yeah, that's a two-part question. So we, my partners at the Department of Education and also the community colleges and the private institutions in manufacturing have had a very large focus on uh, where they're going to get their next workforce. And the, con the conversations that we're having with educators, STEM education has not a specific occupational focus. As Brent has said before, and Dave as well, career technical education combined with the principles of STEM education, especially on the mathematics portion of it, gets people into a thought process of manufacturing to become the next employees or going into certificate programs at the community colleges uh, specifically for manufacturing. So we've been working extremely hard on this for the last few years and it's been a hyper focus specifically for the last two years. And we've been relatively successful. 
but there are many more openings right now, and we're trying to get people more aware of these opportunities. Elizabeth's calling in from Weathersfield. Elizabeth, do you have a question for Todd? Um, yeah, I have a question in general. This, this program is really timely. My husband is looking to make a career change into plumbing, um, and we just don't see a lot of information out there um, on the state's website of how to do this. It's all geared towards, um, you know, the younger people graduating from tech high schools. What about someone who didn't graduate from a tech high school or seeing apprenticeship job um, ads saying, you know, prefer some school, and then we see the schools saying they're apprenticeship programs, and so can you enter the schools without being an apprentice? And so this is sort of like this catch-22 we're in, and we're really unclear on how to move forward for his desired career change. Mm-hmm. Todd, what can sure. you tell? Uh, sure. Uh, so Dave, Dave Arnott right now teaches the, the day school, so to speak, for high school students. The, uh, the Vocational Technical School System, or CTEX, as it's referred to, does have a very robust uh, adult evening apprenticeship course offering for specific for plumbing, electrical, so on and so forth. Uh, they've had it for decades now, and I would really uh, have you look into uh, starting to get into those classes uh, that are that are going on right now. Um, that's a very good step. The answer to the question of do you have to be an apprentice to go into these classes? No, you do not. Um, but you know, as you're starting, just like Kadir has gone through freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior year to become a very uh, well knowledge plumbing and heating, uh, that's where at e- at the evening courses where any individual can enroll into those programs and start to get the same type of education. Thank you for that answer uh, for Elizabeth. Uh, Todd, I have to ask you, a couple of contractors called in and talked about this uh, problem with the hiring ratio. Can you talk about how the state is trying to address this? Sure. Um, so the hiring ratio is, has been, is in statute with the Department of Consumer Protection and Licensing. But the one advantage that we have as the Department of Labor, we have a process called ratio relief for apprentices. So I'd like to, for some of the contractors are listening on the phone, please contact the Connecticut Department of Labor's Office of Apprenticeship Training so you can apply for ratio relief to uh, augment some of your apprentices possibly. We have a subcommittee that reviews your application and will give a ruling uh, upon what uh, they think can be some wiggle room, so to speak, for uh, augmenting the amount of apprentices. Mm-hmm. And Todd, Alicia shared with us on Twitter that uh, her sister is in the welding and electrical trades, but finding that she's treated poorly and often harassed sexually, worried about finding places for apprenticeship. So what would you tell her? Yeah, that's a interesting ask. Um, I haven't run into that necessarily. Uh, we do have that portion of the apprenticeship program uh, is to, uh, you know, come back to the Department of Labor with that type of initiative. Uh, there has been opportunities, especially in welding, especially for women. There's been some really wonderful opportunities, and I know quite a few women that have been in these occupations that have done quite well and um, have not experienced that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brent Parton, I wanted to go to you to, to end the show. We just have a couple of minutes, but when we talk about how to make uh, skilled trades uh, more welcoming for, for everyone, uh, what are your, your, your closing thoughts? I think it, first off, it starts with young people where I go back to this. There's, there's an old adage in the apprenticeship space that people find their ways to apprenticeships through the FBI. That means friends, brothers, and in-laws. 
And what that means is where you have people who have family members or uncles or aunts who are in these trades, that's how you find your way to these opportunities. Um, if we don't build really deliberate connections between our really high quality apprenticeship programs that we have in the state of Connecticut and the rest of the country into our high schools, we're never going to be able to reach and engage what is the most diverse generation of young people. And they're looking for these other opportunities. Their parents are looking for these opportunities. So it starts, in my view, on meeting young people where they are and where they are is in their high schools. What we have lacked in this country is what I would call a, a true youth apprenticeship system in, in a sense that in Germany and Switzerland, 50 to 70% of high school graduates enter apprenticeship programs. In the United States, that age is much higher. So what we can truly build is we have a lot of young people who are starting college classes and college coursework before they graduate. We need an early college infrastructure to connect our young people to apprenticeship opportunities because that is where uh, the, the diverse young folks are that need these opportunities. But the other thing I'll say per this other question that was mentioned, we need to also make investments and, and prioritize equity within programs by ensuring that people who are the trainers, the mentors who are on the front lines of really building the skills of apprentices um, are more comfortable, but also more importantly have the awareness and ability to work with young people that might not look like them or might not have their backgrounds. They're true educators. They're the people that makes this system work. These are people, this is where these ratio issues come in, that one-to-one -one learning. We need to make sure we're providing resources and training to the people who are training the trainees. And, and I think that is critically important for the diversity question because it's not just about getting young people into the opportunities, mm -hmm. it's making sure they're successful once they're there. Brent Parton, thank you so much. Deputy Director of the Center on Education and Labor at New America. It's a public policy think tank. And thanks to Todd Birch, Apprenticeship Manager for Connecticut Department of Labor. We'll, we'll share some links on our website, wmpr.org slash where we live. We'll also tweet them out for listeners who are looking for more information about that program. Today's show produced by Carmen Baskoff. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Thanks for your calls and for listening. <laughs>